0: Well known passage, Philippians chapter 2. Uh, some Sundays ago, when we weren't here, actually, uh, Laurie did allude to this a, a bit in his, in his message, but uh, we're going to look at uh, this this morning. And I want us to do it sort of verse by verse, and I want you to participate. So, if anybody has anything to offer, I won't be offended if I'm interrupted. Uh, But also I want you to do the reading. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to um, read some verses or somebody from amongst you is going to read some verses to us and then we'll talk about those verses, old-fashioned Bible study sort of thing. That's why the mic is there because we don't have um, that roving mic working. So when you volunteer, if you can come and stand there, and um, read to us. That would be really helpful. It would mean that every, you know, uh, some would uh, participate, and um, it would uh, get more of us involved. I'm also going to um, turn things around a bit, and you'll understand uh, why um, as 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 we go through. So I, I kind of. Um, I don't want to start with verses uh, 1 to 5, but with verses um, 6 onwards. When we, um, I chose this passage because it still carries on the Christmas theme. It still carries on, as we read it, we'll see the incarnation, you know, Emmanuel, God with us. It's here in this uh, passage. And so we're reminded... Um, in the passage about the Lord Jesus, his coming to earth, his life of service as a man, his sacrificial death for us, his resurrection in power and glory, his and our glorious future. But Paul, when he wrote this actually, was using all that to teach the Philippians and us to have that same attitude that Jesus had of selflessness, and so to do, to kind of get that across, I've turned it uh, around. So we're going to look at, um, first of all, verses um, 6 to 8. So if if somebody could um, volunteer and come and read verses 6 to 8, that would be good. And of course, if it takes a while for somebody to volunteer... Um, the morning will go on longer. Thank you, Mary. You can read it off there if it's easier. But um... Right. Verses 6 to 8. Yes, please. Who being in ev Sorry. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Thank you. So when I read this, I think the first thing is that um, we, we need not be in any doubt that um, we are speaking of God. We, we started with that carol this morning, didn't we? Oh, come holy faith. It wasn't by... Chance, because in there it depends what version of the carol um, you have but it speaks of very God, a true God not a God or a God-like person but God himself this is who we're speaking of this is what the Christmas story is all about but of course when Paul writes the Christmas story to the Philippians he doesn't put the, the trimmings in if you like the stable and the um, uh, and the shepherds and, and the wise men. He just sort of goes straight to straight to the heart of the matter that God became man, and uh, so that's what we said. Um, and of course, it, it's clear that as a consequence, he didn't need to claim that or to or or to prove it. He was and is God. We've often been reminded uh, of, the, of that verse in, in Colossians. Uh, by Laurie, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And we, today, as in Paul's day, we need to get a hold of that because that puts everything in perspective. The Christmas story is great, isn't it? It's full of wonder. But sometimes we, the trimmings one of a better description sort of take over don't they and again many of you know that a favourite song of mine which we rarely sing at Christmas is that one that begins who is he in yonder storm at whose feet the shepherds fall tis the Lord the King of glory we need to remember that don't we the little baby was the King of glory and um Sometimes perhaps we lose sight of that um, uh, at Christmas. We don't perhaps, we speak of God's gift, but we don't perhaps realise quite what a gift it was. And, and indeed what it, um, what it costs God to give us that gift. Some years ago on a Christmas day, we, we shared that verse together, didn't we? Thanks be to God for his indescribable uh, gift or as in the authorised version it says his unspeakable gift it's a bit difficult to understand that isn't it what it means is it's kind of beyond uh, description beyond value and so uh, you know that causes really requires us to respond to that doesn't it if we think of the import the immensity of that so in um, verse 7, we, we see that, yes, he came as a to this world. The king of glory came, but not as a king. We see it, he came to a stable. He made himself nothing, no reputation, a nobody. In Corinthians, we're reminded that you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for our sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. He left the glories of heaven. There's another um, carol that we rarely sing as well, isn't it? Just you know, leave thy throne and thy King- kingly. kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. Probably because there's too much King James language in there really for us to sing today. But, you know, it says it all, doesn't it? Um, But in the Christmas story, we say, yes, he was born. uh, We see it, don't we? In the stable, his upbringing, of course, in humble circumstances in Nazareth. But Paul, you know, he goes further than that, doesn't he? He says he became a servant. He became a slave And then we go on to see in verse eight that found in appearance as a man he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death. Do you remember um, you know this uh, this we are being made aware today perhaps more than ever about slavery aren 't we it's, it's' hitting our news, modern slavery not being your own person in in any respect whatsoever. That's what the Lord did. He made himself um, a slave, not an employee, uh, um, a slave, completely obedient to his father's will and the servant of all. Remember when the disciples had that argument in Matthew, who, who was going to be the greatest among them? and whoever, And what did the Lord respond? Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave just as the son of man did not come to be served but to be a, but to serve to be a slave and to give his life a ransom for many and there we see that in verse 8 doesn't it he humbled himself you see some people might read this and say we're reading a decline here this isn't really Good reading, as it were. But if this hadn't happened, where would we be today? We wouldn't have been able to stand in the presence of the King of Glory if he didn't come as the King of Glory. But God had a wonderful plan to uh, redeem us, to save us, to bring us back to himself. And it involved uh, his son, the King of Glory, being humbled, being a servant amongst everybody and what's more to allow himself to uh, be taken and tortured and killed. He became obedient to death and even death on a cross. Now I said we're going to do this briefly this morning because we could go off on a real tangent now and talk about exactly what that means. What the cross meant in those days the shame and the ignominy of it. What it meant to the uh, the, the Jewish people, the, the idea of being suspended between heaven and earth was an awful thing to contemplate. But we have to move on. But have you got the the, the picture here that, there, that the Lord went as low as it were as he could go for you and for me? The extent of his servanthood, of his being a slave for us, was to go as low as he possibly could go to allow himself to be treated in that way and to give his life on a cross. But then, of course, we read the the consequence of that, that there's a resurrection in verses uh, 9 to 11. So somebody's going to read that for us now, verses 9 to 11, please. Thank you. isn't the Bible wonderful? Isn't God's word great? How what would we do this morning if we if we went away after um, verse eight? But the Lord knows what He's doing in His Word. The Holy Spirit knew what He's doing when He inspired Paul to write these things, and He gives us the whole story. And so here we have um, the wonderful consequence: uh, our Savior restored. To his rightful place. Exalted in heaven. And to be acknowledged in a future day by all as Lord. And of course the question for us is do we acknowledge him today as Lord? Are we his uh, people? So that's the picture that Paul uh, paints there. There. And he, 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 he says that after speaking to them about how they should be to one another. And I turned it round because I think if we grasp the, the, the import, the wonder, the, the mind-blowing idea that God should become a baby... Uh, a humble man allow himself to be treated as the worst criminal and give his life then we get the idea of what Paul is asking the Corinthians and us to do what's our response to that so that's why I turned it round. so I'll do some reading now in verse 5 we read In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's the mindset we just read. That's what we just read about. And then he says in verses 1 to 4, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete When I read these uh, opening verses 1 and 2, it seems to me that this encapsulates the joys and the benefits of being a Christian, of being one of those who has already bowed the knee and acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord. We have a personal relationship united with Christ, we have comfort, assurance, and security, which comes from knowing God's love. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and He unites us in our fellowship in our church. Here, this changes our nature, so we have sympathy and empathy and care for one another. That's what Paul um, was writing about there. But you know, he still needs. To ask them and us to be of one mind, doesn't he? In verse 3, one love and one, or verse two, one, one spirit. This suggests to me that unless there's a fellowship, we have a unity of spirit, we can't work together. We have a unity of purpose, they go hand in glove. It requires each individual to be a, a A follower, doesn't it? And then we read in verse... um, I'll get it in a moment. Three and four. Do nothing out. Do nothing. Ah, Do nothing. doesn't mean do nothing, does it? The implication is we're doing lots. We're doing. That's a challenge, isn't it? What am I doing? What are we doing? Where am I when the church prays and worships together or when there's work to be done? But the challenge is, is how we go about that, isn't it? How we uh, go about our service for the Lord. Do nothing, what, out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. You don't need me to sort of um, explain what they are, do you? But what a contrast. Their selfish ambition and vain conceit to what we read in verses uh, 6 and 7. Didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant and humbled himself. and Became obedient to death, even death on the cross. What a contrast. But you see, that's what, that's what Paul's writing about. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look, look what Jesus did for you. What Paul was describing was Jesus' heart. The heart he has for you and me, which meant that he gave up everything that he could so rightly claim. And that's what Paul's asking us to be like. Golly, that's something, isn't it? That's something, isn't it? Paul, don't go away this morning, please, with yourself, because you managed to finish by quarter two, and everybody seemed quite content. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying, don't you? Have I come? I can only speak to myself when, when you know, there's certain bits of the of the scriptures, the challenging, practical Christian living bits. I sometimes think you can't tell anybody else about. You can only speak to yourself. I'm sharing this with you. I'm sharing the challenge to me. If you take the challenge on board, that's great. But, you know, we do have to look inside ourselves sometimes, don't we? How often do we pat ourselves on the back? What is sometimes our motivation for what we can, uh, you know, for what we do? But, you know, the man that Paul was describing here, the man Christ Jesus, as he often talks about himself, who could have claimed for himself so much, claimed nothing. He simply came as a servant of God and a servant of us. He became that selfless servant. And the idea is that we strive to do the same. The comparison runs out because he gave up greatness. Well, speaking for myself, I don't have any greatness to give up. So the comparison kind of runs out. But you know what Paul is is trying to say. You know, to be humble of heart and to have uh, the heart of a servant. How do we do this? Well, we seek God's help, don't we? We seek his help and the help of the Holy Spirit to work in us, to give us a right attitude to ourselves and to others. That's what it says, isn't it? Consider others better than yourselves. To be effective in the service of God, we must become nothing, emptied of self, so that God can fill us and use us. Here's some brief verses as we conclude. In Romans 12, verse 10, it says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love and sisterly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Uh, Peter, in his first letter, uh, chapter 5, writes Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. I couldn't miss that out. <laughs> all of you, all of you, that's all of us, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble so what's the conclusion of all this well for me I see this as a picture of an ideal fellowship where each one puts aside their own personal concerns ambitions and agendas and seeks to have a spirit of unity with their fellow uh, Christians showing a love and care for them and this happens When we truly humble ourselves before God and have buried self, become a nobody really that we might serve him. Now I'm not suggesting that's an easy thing. That's why I said to you, I'm sharing with you what this passage has given to me. It's not my place to tell you to be humble. It's not, you know, that you have to seek that uh, for yourself. But we have a tremendous example. The Lord himself. Isn't that great? I love that expression, the Lord himself. It says somewhere, doesn't it, uh, talking about when the Lord comes again, you know. The Lord himself (coughs) shall appear. Not a a character of history, but very God who became man. Isn't that tremendous? And I, I think to... We not we, 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 we haven't time to go on to verses 12 um, to 18. I'll leave that to you to read at home. And as you read it and meditate on it, you will see that uh, there's a lot there that you can take on board for the coming year. Some tremendous words there. So, there we are. That's um, what I got from that passage how I saw that it was still a follow-on for Christmas. It's still a Christmas message, really. We rejoice, don't we, that, that God humbled himself. But the challenge is for us to humble themselves, that we might be effective servants for him, if that's what our desire is.